welcome back to Imago Gay, a podcast dedicated to the value of Imago Day because equality and dignity of BIPOC and LGBTQ lives matter. This week, spiritual care provider Roxanne Del Valle is our co-host, along with yours truly, Kendra Arsenault. In this episode, we are continuing our Redefine series, creating bigger boxes for a bigger God. A topic that I definitely think needs some redefinition is the topic of salvation. We also learn when to ask for help and knowing when to go ahead and venture an impossibility ourselves. Happy National Hispanic Heritage Month, everyone. There is so much to learn from indigenous cultures of the past and present and the ways we can validate a spirituality that is native to ourselves. Our sponsors for today are Spectrum Magazine and SDA Kinship International. So if you haven't already signed up, please sign up for their newsletters where you will get the latest updates on queer news and happenings. Welcome, Roxanne. Thanks for co-hosting this week. Thank you. It's good to be here. So this week we are talking about salvation. And before we get into this, you were actually just nominated for an award this month for National Hispanic Heritage Month. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So I have been fortunate enough to work with the Spanish-speaking population at MGH. And I've had the opportunity to be an advocate, I guess, and provide care to people who don't speak English at all sometimes, or English is their second language, and to have not only that linguistic barrier, but that cultural barrier as well. So it's been a real privilege and honor to say, hey, I'm a member of your medical team. I'm a spiritual care provider, and I really care about your values. I really care about your beliefs. I really care about your spirituality and how it relates to both your illness and your hospitalization. For some people, that's meant a lot. And it's been really fulfilling to be a part of those conversations, especially when there's a language and cultural barrier that I can kind of facilitate that connection. So why were you nominated for this award? (laughs) (laughs) Good question. I guess just this, because I think I have a lot of love and passion for the Hispanic community and been involved in a lot of cases across the whole hospital. People who think that chaplaincy, spiritual care is foofy, foofy stuff. Yeah. Do they become pleasantly surprised when they meet you and they see the work that you're doing? I think when people who are very good at solving problems get to a point where they realize maybe this person's worst fears are going to actualize or maybe there isn't a solution here that will breed an outcome everybody is happy with. I think spiritual care becomes really relevant. It's one of the hardest parts of the ministry, but also, again, one of the most fulfilling parts to sit in people's suffering and pain and not be able to fix it is a real, I think, crisis. And I guess the skill, but just the spaciousness to sit in grief with people. And not try and fix it. And not try and fix it or be distracted with duty, right? I think a lot of the team would want, if they could, if their schedule could allow it, to sit with the patient and only pay attention to them. But as you know, nurses have more than one patient and doctors are needed everywhere. And 
I think it just takes the whole village. Guys, mm. saying with the Oscars or Emmy Awards, once you are nominated, that is officially on your record. You are the Ernesto Gonzalez nominee. <laughs> I don't think it works that way. <laughs> and I think it's a huge accomplishment. I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's so great. And in continued kind of celebration of National Hispanic Heritage Month, I want to take a quote from Abuelita Faith. I hope you guys are reading along. Something that she brought up that I really appreciated. She says this, Zaida Maldonado Perez calls the Holy Spirit the wild child of the Trinity, untamable, full of possibilities and creative potential, wonderfully elusive, yet always fully present. She is the Ruach, the breath of God, who is always, quote, going native. When the day of Pentecost arrived and all who were present encountered the Holy Spirit, they each spoke and heard the gospel in their native language. Who can say this, quote, native wisdom born from the beginning of time and introduced in Genesis 1 as hovering over the earth, isn't the same wisdom that guided our ancestors in their knowledge, their ways of being and knowing, from astronomical cycles that directed their crop production to the herbal potions that engaged their healing. So I really loved this quote because it actually embodied the Holy Spirit as that part of the Trinity that is native, right, that they each spoke in their native tongue, that there was a movement back to the original. And that when we talk about knowing God, I think even in a lot of theological circles, they'll often reference people's relationship with the Holy Spirit, God speaking to us and our intuition and in our heart. And I think that it's so interesting the way that, that she captured this part of God, the Holy Spirit, being that one that brings us back to something more grounded, something that feels very ethereal, a spirit, is actually bringing us back to something more holistic from the earth, from ourselves. I, I think what I'm struck by is just how primal it feels. You take the theology of it all and you institutionalize it and you make relating to God something so specific. But I mean, it's very clear that the Holy Spirit has been influencing humanity, even in its most rural and ancient times. And I think that the wisdom, the intelligence, even without the technology that we have today, is just testimony to that kind of involvement from God. And we don't always acknowledge it as a Christian thing, right? We have to see ourselves completely different. But here was the Holy Spirit at work in many ways. So when it comes to something like salvation, I kind of want to bring it back to its native roots and really talk about it in a much more organic way, in a much more grounded way, in a much more integrated way, something that feels more holistic to myself and where I am in life and how I'm moving forward in my understanding. But before we get there, I want to set the stage for what we traditionally think of when we hear the word salvation. And how have you encountered that in your theology and your upbringing? And even if it's not in a technical way, just in a, in a kind of ambiguous way, somewhere operating in the background, what has salvation in the Christian context often meant for you? Well, it's defined everything. I think it's seen as a goal. Mm. And 
that mission really is centered around saving souls, saving souls, right? Both a gift extended to me in that, oh, wow, I have the opportunity to have everlasting life through Jesus Christ, but also a gift to me in the sense that I get to partake in a ministry, that I get to belong even here and now. So there's this definite reward in the future, very literal reward, yeah, right? And then there's this more existential reward, feeling connected through mission with the divine. So that's what it's traditionally meant to me. I yeah. think for a lot of my life, it, I, I really centered. My worldview was around salvation and not just mine, but everybody that I loved, right? Right. And I think it's such a, I think that's a great explanation because even when it comes to the suppression of certain identities, right? When you make something so fundamental as salvation, you're in the middle of the ocean and a boat is coming to save you. And this person on the boat says, deny these things about your identity. At that point, that doesn't really matter. (laughs) You're not thinking about, no, I'm staying true to myself and I am going to really listen to my inner voice. You'll say anything to get in that boat. You'll, You'll lie. At that moment, survival is really what's operating in the forefront. Yeah. And I think in church often that the same kind of structure is working out, right? Where people who are there and often in the SDA church, it's often been been taught these certain doctrines, the Sabbath or the state of the dead or what have you, right? This is the boat of Noah's Ark, mm-hmm. right? You get in this boat, you get to church on Sabbath and you are safe and you are <laughs> out of this boat. <laughs> you are swept away by the floods, destruction, right? Yeah. And I think it triggers something very primal within you, survival, yeah. right? And when you're in survival mode, you're not thinking about self-realization. You're not thinking about identity. You're not thinking about integration and wholeness. Well, it kind of skews it all, right? You become very, I'll say, bold or even daring when lives are at stake. Of course, right? yeah. <laughs> I remember my grandmother, she used to, she would hire this woman who would come and help our family with more of the domestic responsibilities because she had eight kids and our family was huge, Puerto Rico. And I remember that she, she had lipstick on and I was probably four or five years old and I gave her, oh my, I'm so embarrassed by it. Of course, I'm just a child. But <laughs> you are responsible. <laughs> yeah, I was responsible for her salvation is what I understood, that she needed to get to heaven. Right. And she was wearing lipstick. And that was not very modest of her. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Little girl. <laughs> <laughs> and she was so sweet and would respond to my very bold <laughs> statements about her salvation. Oh, my goodness. And the demands that I would make. <laughs> I, I'm glad that you have the excuse that you were four or five. I was 24, 25. <laughs> and I was still in that same mindset yeah. of like be, being bold with people and saying things that are just inappropriate. Out there. <laughs> Out there. Right. Daring. 
<laughs> Very daring. But but lives were at stake, right? And so you, there are times where I'm, I know I'm making a fool of myself, but I think the belief of this must be what God wants me to be doing, even though I'm making a fool of myself, mm-hmm. and I know it, and I feel it, and I feel the shame <laughs> of what I'm doing, but I go for it anyway, right? And yeah. I think that, that you're right. There because is being embarrassed... Small price to pay. It's a small <laughs> price to pay for people's lives. It is. It is. <laughs> I, I, so I think that's also an association I make to salvation, yeah. right? That in the ways that I would talk to people as if a message could be convincing with that relationship. Right. And I know that we know that. I know that's not a surprise to anybody who really believes that God has promised us everlasting life through His Son. But I think what's special about these conversations is the practicality of it all. Because there's a way in which we can know something in our head, but then it plays out in real life. And you can say you have relationship with somebody. You can say you want relationship with somebody. But man, does it come across really disjointed and self-righteous and... Yeah. Disconnected. Disruptive. Yeah. When without that foundation, you're trying to tell people how they should live their lives, that their salvation is at stake. And so I think this message specifically, I think when when it's presented that way, it really does appeal even to those who are on the economic fringes, right? You're already in survival mode. You're already in a life or death situation, trying to get enough calories for the day or whatever. And in some ways, Christianity has been opportunistic, right? Those who do need help, (laughs) that we've offered them something, salvation, not in a tangible sense, where we're going to give you food and clothing and shelter and help fix your economic situation, but we're giving you a hope that one day you will be saved. I think there is something positive to even this framework of Christianity brings salvation where there is a rescuer and there is a rescuee. I can say that there is something positive in the sense of you learn to ask for help, right? I think asking for help is a good thing. I think recognizing that sometimes problems are bigger than you and it requires a community or it's too big for one person to solve. That's why we have research fellowship groups. We have activist groups. This is why community organization is so important, right? It, recognizes that one person can't do it, but in a collective, we can. I mean, in terms of what's positive, it's very literal, right? There is a rescuer, and there are rescuees. I think a very Christian belief is that Jesus is a Savior, right? So this is not a critique on that belief and going through and parsing through. Is it true? Is it not? But looking at the ways that that dynamic and our relationship to that dynamic has sometimes not been the healthiest. All right, we are halfway through our episode. And if you'd like, you can take a deep breath. Okay, let's get back into it. So one thing I would think is, okay, some of the drawbacks of the belief and looking at the positive, I would say, yeah, there is a positive to this structure. 
of thinking there are problems that are too big for a single person to solve. It's important to ask for help when I think about distilling this into a value. But also, I think there is a drawback when we are looking for rescuers, when we are looking for saviors, when we are looking for benevolent givers, because I think it keeps us, and I know that some people might not like this terminology, but it keeps us from being our own saviors in some ways. And what I mean by that is how do we save ourselves from the current situation that we're in relationally, economically, socially, if we're not willing to make plans for 5, 10, 20 years in the future to say, how do I create a map? Instead of hoping that there's a miracle out there, and even though we still might hope for a miracle, are there ways that we can start to concretely look at our our future and say, okay, well, how are the choices I'm making today going to make my future self happy? Myself in 10 years, myself in 20 years, are the financial decisions I'm making in that direction? And so that's something for me that's been really important. A lot of times when something doesn't happen right away, it's discouraging, right? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I also think that a part of the adult development is not saying, well, if this doesn't happen right away, or if someone doesn't jump in to save this idea, a part of adult development is learning to persevere, learning to come into those disappointments, and continuing forward and moving moving past some of those disappointments. Have you ever encountered with that dynamic a lack of planning for your future? Yeah, I, I guess, yes. And a metaphor that comes to mind is that of a parent and their child. A parent guides their child at the beginning stages, but eventually you expect your child to mature into a grown adult, that they wouldn't be relying on you for survival for the rest of their lives, right? That part of parenting is creating a character and a skill set and a maturity to be enabling their child to do that for themselves, that that is considered success as a parent, right? And I think about my relationship with God, what spiritual maturity for me has looked like is that I do feel like I have been equipped and matured to take care of myself. It's precisely in the moments where I feel like I am on top of my responsibilities. I am paying my bills and I'm showing up to work and I am putting savings away and I am getting my groceries on time and even just small things, part of my routines. I think those moments where I do the responsible thing and I am a good steward of my time and my resources and I make myself accountable to myself and to my responsibilities that I can feel the most relaxed that I can really get in tune with my inner child because there's an adult and mature version of me that's taking care of the things that need to be taken care of so that I can find ease and rest. And I like that because I think at one point there was this kind of desperation associated to these salvific moments or, or, or these moments of respite, that, that I needed some external hand to dive into my mess so that I could be at ease. 
And I've had this external hand guide me and mold me into the kind of person that can create that for themselves. So I feel more connected in that way. So basically you're saying that a part of adult development is is learning to care for your own inner child. That at some point other people are no longer being outsourced to do that for you, but you've, you've taken on that responsibility. Yeah, and that that's what maybe salvation looks like in a very tangible sense, in a very present tense, rather than it be something off in the future, a goal to be attained. I think experiencing salvation in the everyday is maybe being feeling rescued from the most toxic parts of humanity or traits or habits that I have access to behaviors and beliefs and values that give me a kind of life that is freeing here, today. And I think there are stressors that are unpredictable, and there are stressors that are pretty avoidable. And I think that Sometimes we use the image of a rescuer or a savior as a way to live in toxicity and then pray for some external hand to intervene in our lives. Yeah, some last minute. I think even for, I think I've lived in kind of a lack of planning mode for a very long time. Even just to plan a year in the future has been very difficult for me. I just thought, I don't know where I'm going to be in a year. I don't know what I'm going to be doing at that time. But I think a part of me not waiting to find out what happens to me in a year, but making actionable steps to say, actually, this will be happening in a year. And I'm making those steps and I'm making that happen because that is my goal. And life doesn't always just have to happen to me, but I can be the protagonist in the seat of life and make these decisions, which is something that I have not done for all of my life. I think there is some part to having an adventure and letting the wind take you, and that's that's great. I think that's a good part of life. I think yeah. that's a necessary part of life. And, and you're not always going to be healthy enough, right? You will need those moments of rescue. That, that, that happens legitimately in life, that sure. you get in trouble or some unexpected event happens or there's a negative turn. And nothing you did could have prepared you for that moment. And so it's just about acknowledging that those moments are there and will always be there. But then how do you use the gifts to to give yourself that kind of access as well? Exactly. I think it's often a byproduct. But in Christian culture in general, the apocalyptic type theologies that believe that the literal Jesus is coming soon. And a lot of people have have voiced this in different ways where a vision of Jesus coming soon has left them unable to think of the future and place him in a in a position where they can think no higher than needing a savior because there's not much you can do for yourself economically, financially, socially, educationally in 5 years to build wealth, to build social capital. Those are things that take a long time. And a doctrine that Jesus is coming very soon, one, two, five years, doesn't leave you the mental room to grow in the ways to save yourself, quote unquote, 
and 10 years from now. And I think I personally have made some financial decisions where I didn't go back to graduate school until much later in life, where it was a whole eight years after undergrad that I went to graduate school. And those whole eight years, I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. (laughs) And in that way, have experienced a lot of potential economic gain lost. There are a lot of things that I can think that I'm making up for this part of my life because that type of thinking kind of kept me from making decisions that were wise for myself and thinking of my future self and wanting my future self to be in a good place. Also to that, I think we all start at different starting points. Some people are come from good, solid social structures. We all are at a different class. And I was listening to this podcast earlier called Talk Easy, and it was with author Sandra Cisneros, the author of The House on Mango Street. And she was talking about the times that she had become aware of her class differentiation. And I think there's been various points in my life where I didn't have the shoes or I didn't have the clothes or my parents didn't drive the car or I didn't drive the car or having to work two jobs for myself through my schooling. I think it sometimes breeds the temptation of looking for a savior, right? Is there somebody out there that can shave five, ten years off of my pursuits, that can give me a leg up, right? That can get me to where I'm going faster because I started at the back of the line, right? And I don't think that that's a wrong desire. I pray for that miracle myself still. (laughs) And I hope that that miracle, if that's your prayer, is also out there for you. And I've also had to couple that prayer for a miracle with actually planning on, okay, it's going to take me longer to get there. And I might get there at a much later age than some of these other people. But this is my plan. This is how I move forward. Yeah, it can make us nearsighted. When you think about the kind of dynamic that the divine is setting up with humanity, I think the end goal is different. The end goal of salvation from a more existential, sacred angle, or let's say from the divine's perspective, is more about reconciliation, a healing of relationship. And I think that relationship feels more significant when it's less about codependence and more about mutuality and and companionship. So even just... In this redefine episode of redefining salvation, I think what's a better way to understand this? I mean, some of the things that we've already been talking about, but I think it's also not having any judgment for the person who plays the lotto because we all want a miracle, right? We are all put in situations in our life where we need somebody who is stronger than us, have more resources than us, is in a position that is able to help us from where we're at at that point. So we will all enter into a rescue or rescuey dynamic at some point in our life. There's always going to be something that's out of our reach and it's okay to want for help. So there's no judgment on that. But kind of bringing it back down to the something tangible, what can we do? Sometimes heaven is such a far off place. And for some people in my life, even financially, the way that I'm going about 
the future. There are times in my life where I would get stuck and I'd think, here's extra $200 that I have. This is not going to get me a down payment in a house. This is not enough to actually do, make any real change in my life. So I'm going to spend it on some new shoes. I'm going to spend it on a new outfit, right? And I, a way that I'm trying to reframe myself as saying, well, an extra $200 here and there and here and there and everywhere at some point adds up to something. And it adds up to something that can make real change. And for me, it's been a lot of discipline and saying no to myself. <laughs> Sometimes when there's something that is immediate and right in front of me and I can have it now, but it's not fulfilling the long-term plan. And so I've been asking myself lately the question of, are the choices I'm making today making my future self happy? Am I caring for the Kendra 10 years from now and what I'm doing in this moment? Am I caring for the Kendra 20 years from now and how I treat my body and the way that I'm, am I exercising? Am I being healthy? Am I, am I thinking about this person? She's going to be here for a long time. Yeah. And not thinking that Jesus might be two years from coming, but how do I prepare myself to live a long life <laughs> and to not struggle my way through it entirely? So are the choices I'm making today making my future self happy? We don't have to wait to be in heaven to have a rich relationship with God. We can operate differently than the drama, desperation, rescuer, rescuee here in this moment. And I think really what, what, what perfects us in the image of God is precisely our use of faculty, our use of reason, our use of emotions, our use of bodies in a way that is edifying, not just to honor the creator, but to honor our individuality and the fact that the way God operates with humanity is the way that we should model ourselves to operate after. And so I think being life givers, being good role models of self-care, of protecting our boundaries, of creating relationships and dynamics with people where they could do that for themselves is engaging with the divine in ways that you would in some future tense, right? I think that's what's beautiful and what makes that salvation so tangible. It's that it's not just this thing that happens off in the future. It's something that you can experience right now. Yeah. I watched this video where all these super wealthy people are making bunkers for the end times. <laughs> They're creating rockets to hopefully seed Mars with life. And there's a lot of planning for what if global warming gets the best of us? What if there's climate change? What if there's a lot of terrible things that happen to us in the future? And you see this kind of desire to escape and transcend the common human experience. And I don't think salvation or when you think about your future self, I don't think we're, we're going to rise above that, right? You're never going to have enough wealth <laughs> to shoot yourself off of this planet and go live somewhere else and just escape the effects of the things that are happening in this world. So a part of it is also accepting the fact that we are part of a collective humanity. We are sharing this planet 
with 8 billion other people. And there is a collective responsibility to think long-term about this earth. And there are things that we might not be able to escape. The housing crisis or the influxes of inflation or the downturns of the economy. It'd be great to escape all of that and to plan so well that we're not affected by that. But that doesn't happen, right? I think that at some point we all experience collectively kind of the woes of humanity. So we can do only what we can do to prepare ourselves in the best way. But at the end of the day, I think there is a God who steps in and makes up the difference. And so that's a new way that I'm looking at redefining salvation and what it looks like in my life. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Imago Gay as we explore our Redefine series, Creating Bigger Boxes for a Bigger God. I hope you enjoyed this week's exploration of finding new ways that we can begin to care for our future selves based on the decisions we make today. But I did just want to add that I hope you all are making the most of every day and that your belly is full, your heart is at ease, and that little ache you feel in your cheeks when you can't stop smiling. Yeah, I hope that's all yours today as well. Caring for your tomorrow doesn't mean you have to surrender your present happiness. Imago Gay is a podcast where we explore queer questions and a colorful God. In addition to curious conversations, I am so grateful for all of you who have reached out and have been sharing your personal stories. It has been touching to hear from so many of you and truly keeps me motivated to keep making these podcasts from week to week. If you're enjoying the content, please be sure to rate this podcast on Spotify or Apple podcast and share this episode with a friend. If you want to follow our guest today, spiritual care provider, Roxanne Del Valle, you can do so on Instagram at Roxanne Marie. And if you'd like to reach me, you can write to me at Kendra Arsenault with an X on Instagram or Facebook. You can also follow our sponsors for today, Spectrum Magazine and SDA Kinship International, and be sure to sign up for their newsletters where you will get the latest updates on queer news and happenings. This episode was created and engineered by yours truly and sponsored by Spectrum Magazine and SDA Kinship International.